four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. This is Hello, the listener. These next three podcasts are just one item. I've had to split them into three to fit into the parameters of the restriction of the podcast production limitations of my provider. This article, Bushfire Management, Wisdom versus Folly, was written by Roger Underwood and published in Quadrant on February 13, 2019, which is almost exactly one year from today. I am posting this in the public interest. You may not agree with everything Roger has to say, but in light of the current bushfire situation in Australia as we speak, I believe there is a lot to be considered in this essay. Cheers. Roger Underwood is a forester with 50 years' experience in bushfire management and bushfire science. He has worked as a firefighter, a district and regional manager, a research manager and a senior government administrator. He is chairman of the Bushfire Front, an independent professional group promoting best practice in bushfire management. Bushfire Management, Wisdom versus Folly, an article written by Roger Underwood on the 10th of February 2019. Many years ago, still a young man, I watched for the first time the grainy, flickering black-and-white film of the British infantry making their attack on the opening day of the Battle of the Somme. The terrible footage shows the disciplined soldiers climbing from their trenches and in line abreast walking slowly across no man's land towards the enemy lines. They scarcely travel a few paces before the German machine gunners open up. They are mown down in their thousands. They are chaffed before a wind of fire. I can still remember being struck nerveless by these images and later my anger when I realised what that calamitous carnage represented. It spoke of the deep incompetence of the generals who devised this strategy of doom and then insisted upon its implementation. It spoke of frontline men led by people without frontline experience. It spoke of battle planners unable to think through the consequences of their plans or who devalued human lives. It spoke of a devastating failure of the human imagination. Worst of all, the strategies of World War I generals demonstrated that they had not studied or that they had forgotten the lessons of history. In the final year of the American Civil War, 50 years earlier, the Union Army had been equipped for the first time with Springfield repeating rifles, replacing the single-shot arms still being used by the Confederate Army. The impact on Confederate soldiers attacking defenders armed with repeating rifles was identical to that later inflicted by machine guns on the Western Front, but it was a lesson unlearnt of collective wisdom unregarded. None of you will have any difficulty in seeing where this analogy is taking me. The catastrophic bushfires of 2009 in Victoria and the other great fires of recent years in that state, New South Wales, the ACT and South Australia are dramatic expressions not just of killing forces unleashed, but of human folly. No less than the foolish strategies of World War I generals, these bushfires and their outcomes speak of incompetent leadership and of failed imaginations. Most unforgivable of all, they demonstrate the inability of people in powerful and influential positions to profit from the lessons of history and to heed the wisdom of experience. But just a minute, I can hear some of you thinking, is old Underwood going too far here? 
What about the malignant influence of global warming on bushfire conditions, making things impossible for firefighters? What about the unprecedented weather conditions on the day, making the fires of February 2009 unstoppable? What about the years of drought making the bush super dry to ready to burn? Does he not realise that conditions beyond human understanding have now arisen in Victoria, making killer bushfires inevitable? And what about the promises of technology, the super aerial tankers and so forth, that give the initiative to our firefighters for once and for all? I have thought about all these issues. I am well aware of the drought, of the conditions on the days of the fire, and of the view of some quarters that all of this is a result of global warming. I accept that drought and bad fire weather increase the risk of serious bushfires. What I do not accept is that unstoppable bushfires are inevitable. And while I always welcome improved firefighting technology, I know from experience and from an understanding of the simple physics of bushfire behaviour that technology can never be substituted for good land management. The serious bushfire is like a disease that is incubated over many years. Good land management is the preventative medicine that ensures the disease does not become a killer epidemic. To me, the epidemic of recent killer bushfires is no indicator of an inevitable future. They are an indicator of the inevitable consequences of what has happened in the past. To me, these fires toll like bells. They toll of failed leadership failed governance and failed land management. The issues of leadership and of good governance are central to my position. What these killer bushfires point to is that the leaders of our society, Victoria's politicians and senior bureaucrats, have palpably failed to do the most fundamental things expected of them, to safeguard Victorian lives and their Victorian government in the face of an obvious threat. They have failed to discharge their duty of care, just as we now look back with incredulity at the amateurish strategies of the generals of the Great War, so will future Australians look back on the work of those responsible for land and bushfire management in this country, our bushfire generals. The toll of the 2009 Victorian fires is shocking. All those lives lost. Thousands of homes destroyed. Millions of dollars worth of social and economic infrastructure reduced to ashes. The work of generations, the farmlands, stock, fences, wool sheds, yards and pastures, dead and gone. Native animals and birds killed in their millions. Beautiful forests cooked, in some cases stone dead. Catchments eroding. The costs, multi-millions of dollars. Carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, the equivalent of a year's supply of the whole of Australia. Psychological damage to children and families, uncountable. Our bushfire generals, those premiers, ministers and senior bushfire bureaucrats in whom the people of Victoria put their trust, can have no excuses. They cannot say they didn't know we have serious bushfires in Australia. This is no soft green island where no bushfire ever burns. Australians have not arrived only recently in this dry sclerophorous land. Even if we overlook for a moment the fire management experience of Aboriginal people accumulated over 40,000 years or so, non-Aboriginal Australians have been here for over 200 years, with 200 fire seasons, thousands of hot, dry and windy days, dozens of prolonged droughts, tens of thousands of thunderstorms, millions of lightning strikes and hundreds of thousands of bushfires. 
This is no new or unique phenomenon. They cannot say the impacts of intense bushfires on human communities were unimaginable. We have known for 200 years that European settlement represented the insertion of a fire-vulnerable society into a fire-prone environment. We have seen the consequences of mixing hot fires and settlements on many, too many occasions to doubt the result. They cannot say that Australians are powerless in the face of the bushfire threat, that bushfires are unstoppable. From the earliest days of settlement through the evolution of the fire management systems developed by experienced land and forest managers in the 1950s and 60s, we have known what is needed to minimise bushfire intensity and bushfire damage, even under extreme conditions. From at least the 1960s, we have known how to build and maintain houses in fire-prone environments so as to optimise their survival. They cannot say that the relationship between fire and the Australian bush are unknown. There have been 200 years of observation and records and over 50 years of scientific research on this very subject. This experience and this research has confirmed that fire is not an alien visitor, but a natural part of Australian bushland ecosystems. The right sort of fire is an agent of rejuvenation regeneration, recycling and bushland health, a stimulus for biodiversity. Fire is to the Australian bush as other waves and tides to the Australian seaweeds and marine life. It is the absence of fire, especially mild fire, that is the real threat to the Australian bush, because the inevitable result is a landscape-level holocaust from which it might take a century or more for recovery. And finally, they cannot say that we were not warned. Warnings have emerged from the aftermath of every damaging bushfire for the last 70 years or more from inquiries, royal commissions and reports, from independent auditors and from land managers, bushfire scientists, foresters, farmers and firefighters. In recent years, the warnings have come thick and fast. Magnificent books have been written on the subject. There have been dozens of scientific papers and popular articles written by our very own world-respected bushfire experts like Phil Cheney. There have been detailed submissions by the professional groups such as the Forest Fire Victoria, the Bushfire Front and the Institute of Foresters of Australia. Can anyone say that no clear lessons have emerged from the bushfire calamities of the past? Can anyone say they are unaware of the previous fires that have burned Australian farms, settlements and suburbs, incinerated our national parks, nature reserves, rangelands and forests, or scorched our northern savannas? Did no one notice all those bushfires over the years that cut power supplies, burned out bridges and roads, destroyed schools, churches and hospitals, interrupted or fouled water supplies, destroyed observatories and threatened species, plantations, orchards and vineyards? No, there is no shortage of lessons. They have even flowed in for those who should have listened and learned from Greece, from Portugal and from Western United States and Canada during the last few years. Over and over again, the same words have rung out. The same message has been sent. In our climatic zone with hot, dry summers and periodic drought and with our flammable vegetation and frequent lightning strikes, bushfires are inevitable. If fuels are allowed to accumulate, bushfires in eucalypt forests rapidly attain an intensity that exceeds the human capacity to extinguish them, notwithstanding the most modern and massive suppression forces. Communities and economic assets in the path of high-intensity fires will suffer horrible damage. But 
potential damage can be minimised by application of fire management system that incorporates responsible planning and high standards of preparedness and damage mitigation, especially fuel reduction. We have a choice. Fires are inevitable, but we can choose to have mild controlled fires or ungovernable infernos. Our bushfires and bushfire generals cannot say they have not been warned. They cannot say there were no lessons to learn. They cannot say the message had not been sent. They can only say that it was not received, or that it was received but ignored. Neither excuse is acceptable.